Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Daou, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode. Hey friends, before we get started, let's talk about what you're doing for your winter cycling training. This is for those of you who are migrating inside just like me. Stop searching and downloading free programs that don't match your goals and time or paying for those expensive 12-week programs from the pro that tend to be way too long, too hard, and just not realistic for our average cycling needs. You know what I'm talking about. How'd you like to train with an actual cycling coach? Get actual real-time feedback, tips and tricks, and questions answered. Set all these programs aside and check out what I have to offer. I have two winter cycling training programs, 16 weeks and 20 weeks. Both are led by a certified cycling coach that's yours truly, which is me. We get started in November to the end of March. Depending on that program you select, training sessions will be set up for one to three times a week. Focus is on developing the proper cycling skills and techniques that can help you improve up to 20% over 16 or 20 weeks. I mean, can you imagine improving by 20% before the spring, it's crazy possible. The 20 weeks includes more specific intensity training and group rides. It's super motivating, it's got community and it's accountability based. We won't let you fall off the wagon. This program isn't for everybody, but could be for you. So check out cyclingskillspro.com. So that's cyclingskillspro.com. And until November 5th, use the code winter at checkout to save $50 off. Check it out today and don't delay on giving it an honest consideration to setting up your winter training. Take care and I look forward to seeing you online. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Do. We have Jenna Hewitt, who will be up next as our guest. And she is a marketing director for Felt Bicycles. I met her at Unbound Gravel and we hit it off and I'm super excited to have her on the podcast sharing the Felt story. So here she is. All right, everybody, welcome back to an episode of Secrets from the Saddle, all things cycling podcast with your host, Sylvie Dew, and I have the gorgeous Jenna Hewitt from Felt Bicycles. Now, I met Jenna at the Unbound Gravel Expo. It was massive. I'm so proud. I'm so glad that I was able to bump into you specifically because there only was a couple of you girls at that booth and we got to talking and Jenna's been with a company for how many years? So I've been with the parent company to Felt Bicycles for 10 years. 
felt yeah. has been with the company for almost two years. So 10 years. But the thing about Jenna and how we got in tune, and I love that I'm so glad and that she decided to be on the podcast. Why, why not? Right. Is that did you know that felt bikes originated and has a motorcycle background, which Jenna has a motorcycle. That's how she got into bikes. And we're I'm so excited to have her here to tell you the whole story about felt bikes. Welcome, Jenna, to the podcast. Thank you so much, Sylvia. I'm excited to be here. I have to say Unbound was my first major gravel oh, event that I had been to. Me too. And I was so excited to see the community, meet the community, but see that there's so many women participating in the sport. It was really encouraging. And it sort of lowered like the barrier to entry or the the nerves I had around getting into cycling um, just by being at that event. So I have some goals. I want to try to participate in maybe the smaller version of, of, of Unbound next year. Uh, but I'm, I'm just getting started on my cycling journey. So as, as you mentioned, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, felt bicycles. Uh, oh, yeah. So a, so yeah. So tell us about how you got into yeah. cycling. So I'm super excited that you're saying that because um, actually before we just got in here, she's got a little one at home and I've got kids too because it's still like everybody's still at home. So we apologize if you happen to hear any noise in the background, but that's just life because we're moms and we're here sharing our story. So Jenna, tell us about your how you got into felt bikes. Absolutely. So as I mentioned, I started with a company um, that I work with now 10 years ago. I actually started with a specific brand called Husqvarna Motorcycles uh, mm. almost 13 years ago. And this brand was a legendary brand and making motorcycles for over 100 years. It was wow. acquired by Stefan Pierre's company, um, which is KTM Motorcycles. And, and this company has over the last three decades bought several companies brands and revived these brands. So oh. over time, um, the companies evolved into a company called Pure Mobility and Pure Mobility has several companies within it. Within that Pure Mobility company, uh, we have motorcycles on one side and on the other side, we have another company called Pure New Mobility. And that is our bicycle business. It is a separate business for motorcycles, mm -hmm. but it is a sister company and, and so to speak, to the motorcycle division, but it is a separate company that is a dedicated bicycle business. And underneath that bicycle business, we have three brands. We actually have Husqvarna Bicycles. Which Gas one? Bicycles, Husqvarna. So Husqvarna, which is known mainly for their chainsaws, lawnmowers. Oh, uh, okay. That's what I was just like, I recognize that. But... Yeah. yeah, Husqvarna has a long history. I can tell you all about that another time, but it's a it's an amazing brand. So we have Husqvarna e-bicycles, which is primarily e-mountain bikes right now. Um, we have Gas Gas Bicycles, which is uh, Gas Gas is another motorcycle brand we have. And then we have Felt Bicycles. So Felt Bicycles joined the group, um, like I said, about two years ago, 18 months to two years ago. Oh. Uh, Mr. Pierre saw an opportunity with Felt Bicycles. It's a well-known brand from... The early 90s and, and basically the history the tie-in to our motorcycle company is that felt was established by a gentleman named jim felt jim felt was a legendary motocross mechanic for some of the best motocross races out there and even back in the 80s and and, and early 90s people were uh, motor motocross athletes were training with the bicycle 
as a way to enhance their fitness and their mm -hmm. athleticism and their their um, endurance so their speed and their agility with the motorcycle was better so at this time it inspired jim salt to start a bicycle company and he started building bicycles <laughs> that were faster because he wanted to to ride faster and train faster with the athletes. so of really <laughs> it's, it's an amazing tie-in and not a lot of people know the history behind it but but that's kind of where Jim Felt came from. And and I haven't got to meet Jim Felt myself, but I would love to meet him someday and ask him some questions. Uh, but the company has changed hands a, a couple of times and it, it's home now to peer new mobility. Um, so along with Felt Bicycles, I'm looking after these other two uh, bicycle brands as well for, for marketing. Oh my gosh. Okay, which one do you like best? <laughs> it's a great Sorry, question. it's a trick question. <laughs> I kind of already... Uh, mentioned Husqvarna so I, I started with Husqvarna motorcycles 12 years ago and the yeah that brand is amazing if you ever get a chance to go to Sweden there's a small village outside of Jönköping which is a huge lake um, lakeside town in Sweden and basically the whole village was established in 1689 by the Swedish king to become the royal weapons factory so they started out making weapons like guns and and other sort of weapons from the 1600s and the 1700s. And over time, as war started to die down in Europe, they started to make household appliances and household items, uh, tools and, and stoves and ovens. And it's really known as like this pioneering brand. So uh, there's all kinds of smaller household appliances and things that they sort of invented. Like they, they actually produced the first microwave, but they introduced <laughs> it at a time when the world was scared of of the alien invasion. So uh, in the 50s, they basically didn't succeed with the microwave and GE came out with it a few years later. But anyways, there's a lot of history to the Husqvarna brand. And they started producing motorcycles in 1903, seven years after they produced their first bicycle in 1896. So, Whoa. you know, we've been producing bicycles for a long time. In the late 60s, they stopped making bicycles. They traded it for the chainsaw division, which is a very successful division of Husqvarna. Um, uh -huh. So that that kind of established the, the end of the bicycle era for a little while. The motorcycle division was sold off um, in the, the late 80s to a, an Italian company. So here we are now. Mr. Pira bought Husqvarna motorcycles and also is like, hey, long time ago, Husqvarna made bicycles. They dropped a motorized engine into the bicycle in 1903, and that's motorized bikes and, and e-bikes today. That's kind of like the inspiration for it. So now we're here making e-bicycles. Again, it's separated from the motorcycle division completely. Like I, right. I still see them. I still talk to them. I still, you know, get some support from the motorcycle side. Do you still ride? Because you said you rode motorcycles, right? I, I grew up riding motorcycles. I was never an expert racer by any means. I always wanted to be, but I was never really talented. So I rode. I rode trails. I had a small motocross track in my backyard, and I grew up riding and over time, I, I kind of traded for different hobbies and different things, and I stopped riding, and then I started riding again. Mm -hmm. And now, now where I'm at um, as a as a mom, like as much <laughs> as I want to get back into to riding my motorcycle, uh, it's just it's not as mm -hmm. easy to do because you have to like load the bike up, you have to go to a track, you have to go to out somewhere. Whereas right. with cycling, you can just take off from your front yard and with your baby go. too. Yeah, yeah, with the baby. So I. I I haven't done done too much um, road cycling yet. 
but I got my first gravel bike when I came back from maternity leave uh, to Felt nice. Rome, and it's a great entry-level bike. Uh, if anybody's interested to to help get a friend into cycling, the Brome is the perfect like entry level gravel sort of adventure bike. You might have to get a different set of tires or something, but it's really a a great bike to get started with. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. So I split my time now. I have mountain bike trails in my backyard, so I can go out on my e bike if I get a free hour or so from the baby, and then if I want to, you know, pedal to work with my friends who are quite aggressive cyclist um <laughs> i can i can get on my gravel bike uh i i would say i probably for the people we have at least 100 people that work in the main office for peer mobility um in north america so it's our u.s office mm -hmm. um, we have probably another 70 people that work in our racing team or racing shop which is next door and across those those 170 rough roughly 170 people i probably ride the least out of all of them and so what I'm saying is that we're an avid group of cyclists, even the motorcycle side of the company. Um, I just saw on Instagram yesterday, they like a whole group of our customer service team for the motorcycle division, they all went out on a, on a road bike ride for lunch. And this is like on a daily thing. They're constantly cycling. They cycle to work, they cycle after work, they cycle during lunch. And even before we got into the bicycle business with Pirine Mobility, the, the motorcycle company, they're avid cyclists. They had a they had like a road road cycling team, local team. They did some crit racing and things like that. So Ooh. it's always been in the in the bloodstream of our company. Even so, to the point that our CEO for the company, he's actually out um, doing a ride across America right now. Um, he's riding. He started out in Missoula, Montana, and I I don't know where they're they're heading to now. But basically, every day that we're getting the post, and he's. His vacation, he never takes vacation, but his few days of vacation, he's cycling across America. <laughs> That's not part of the race. That's Is he not just, part of the race. He's just he's doing just, it on his own. He's doing it with his with a, a few buddies, and it's, it's something they do every year. They do a section of Ride Across America. Oh, okay. So they do, they're doing sections at a time. I was going to say, that's a, that's a long yeah. event for yeah. a vacation. For sure. For sure. Wow. Yeah. Now, that's inspirational. So, now... So we're going to talk about felt bikes because that's yeah. where we're talking. And um, so tell us now, you know, we like when I met you, you were already supporting some uh, bike shops and events up here in Ottawa, which I was surprised. So tell us about the um, event side and how uh, felt bikes is being used to promote um, through gravel because this was a gravel event that I attended and that's yeah. actually where I got the shirt uh, came second by the way um, <laughs> yeah my friend beat me I was like oh my god <laughs> we were like pacing each other um, yeah so that's where that's where I felt um, I learned about them and I and I got the shirt, and then when we met, um, you knew of those guys of uh, the Gravel Cup Canada up here. Yeah. So, tell us how Felt is breaking into the events to be supporters for locals or yeah, local so, events. So, just being completely honest, uh, over the last ten months since I've taken on this role, we've taken a close look at the activities that Felt was supporting before the uh, okay. acquisition. 
yeah. um, and, and decided to continue certain activities that seem to be fitting to the brand and the direction that we're going with the product, mm-hmm. which we're definitely focused on gravel in North America. So between U.S. and Canada, it's, it's huge. Um, yep. The Gravel Cup Canada is one of the, the series that we're supporting. Um, and, and mainly that I, I'm relying on the expertise from our field sales team that's based in, in Canada because I don't have the ability to get up there very often. And I right. have one event specialist that's working for me now. We're, we're going to grow the team, but we're, we're really small right now. So through our, our district sales manager and through our local dealers, we're able to get out and support some of these events. Um, the support might vary it might be pretty minimal right now but the end game or the, the goal is to actually have people participating in the event on the product to show that the product right. is an amazing product but also to really be a part of the community um, that's something that i believe in and that's something we've been successful with in the past with the other brands that i've worked with um, it's all about building community and when you build community people will gravitate towards your brand and i think you have to do it in a genuine way in a meaningful way and you have to get out there and ride so well, for me I, I'm not riding in the, the Gravel Cup Canada. Will you see me there one day? Maybe, maybe. But you have to come over me. here and stay with me. I know. <laughs> I know. You'll have to take me out and, and give me some training on, on gravel riding. Oh, I'm yeah, very, for sure. I'm very, very green. <laughs> um, yeah, so so basically we our goal is to make sure that everything we do drives retail back to our dealers. So whenever we go to an event or we participate in an event, we sponsor an event, we want to make sure that we're connecting with a local dealer or group of dealers. Otherwise, why are we there? Right. Um, our business model is not direct to consumer. We believe in brick and mortar retail and supporting the local bike shop. So for us, it's definitely about uh, driving retail traffic back into the, the dealership and making sure that we're bringing value to the dealership. So through events like the Gravel Cup Canada, if we have a group of dealers that are willing to participate, then we'll definitely sponsor the event and be a part of it. Do you know which uh, dealers in Ottawa support or um, are selling felt? Not off the top of my head, but I definitely have a list of those dealers. I'm not super familiar with the dealers in that in that region, but I can get you those for sure. Yeah, that would be helpful, especially for our listeners if you're in this uh, region. As to if I named off a couple, would you recognize them? Uh, maybe. Eurosports. Go for it. Eurosports? Uh, I'm not sure on that one. Uh, Fresh Air Experience? Bush Taka? Let me get my list and I can, <laughs> I'll let you know afterwards. Because like, I know those guys are, uh, I know, I, I thought yeah. for sure that Eurosports was one of them because they sponsor uh, Gravel Cup as well. So I was we just have, saying, like. We have a network of almost 300 dealers oh, wow. in Canada. And we're growing that network every day. So I, I'm sorry, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm not super familiar with those dealers yet. I'm still. I just thought I'd throw them out there because uh, those are the ones that came straight to the top of my head, especially with regards to that event. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to make sure I, I know those dealers for sure. Now, are you looking to support and sponsor more events in the yeah. area, specifically gravel? So we're looking at gravel events. Uh, we know it's a fast-growing segment, it's a community segment, and it's kind of, it's our market. So mm-hmm. um, we're definitely looking at doing more with gravel events. Personally, myself, I'm all about um, trying to grow the sport. And it's not just me, it's actually the philosophy of our company is mm-hmm. about growing the sport of, 
of motorcycling and cycling on both sides. So that's how do, how do we grow this sport? How do we bring more people to the sport? And, you know, whether or not they show up on our brand and buy one of our brands, you know, it would be nice if they did, but it's all about growing, growing the sport. So one of those things is to support events, women's riding events, women's cycling <gasps> events. Which that's where I come in. How, yeah, that's where you come in. And that's how the conversation really, for me, like, was inspiring mm-hmm. to have with you. Um, I, as I mentioned before, I'm already amazed at how many women are already in cycling. It's, it's definitely different on the moto side, whereas, you know, in the motorcycle side, we had seen growth from the early 2000s of, like, a 7% female motorcycle ownership to 14% to 19% in 2018, I think. So that that's great. I thought it would and- be more because I was one of those girls who wanted to be on a motorcycle. Like I went through yeah. the program twice, <laughs> different different times in my life, and I still haven't gotten my license yet. So it's still one of those things that's on my bucket list because I, I really want to ride motorcycles. But so it'd be later on in life. And but I just remember seeing like out of every like five motorcyclists like groups, I would say like two to three would have been women. And I'm just like, wow, look at all the women. There's so many more women on motorcycles, like whether they're the quads, you know, the, the, the three wheels, you know, the, I don't know what you call them. Those uh, ones are just motorcycle, you know, they have the two wheels in the front yeah. and one in the back or, or something. yeah. Um, but I just would always notice, I'm like, oh my God, there's more women it's almost it feels like it's evening itself out it's where definitely growing so yeah as that, as a woman would be a passenger she now has her own motorcycle oh yeah for sure i think that that that's changing like women don't want to be passengers they want to ride themselves um there are several uh women's motorcycling groups out here uh, mm-hmm. that we've been a partner with for a long time and for me, what was exciting about partnering with those events and where I see the parallel with, with cycling and, and kind of this this idea that I have is I'm scared of everything. I'm a scaredy cat. So I grew up around motorcycles and I'm still scared of them to this day. <laughs> I shouldn't be. I shouldn't be with, with how much experience I have and how much I've been exposed, but I'm still scared. So for me, whenever I wanted to go riding, if I go with my husband, who's like a former professional racer or go with a number of my, my male coworkers who are also probably all former professional racers. It was really intimidating. Mm-hmm. So with creating a women's sort of community riding group or community event or partnering with women that are already doing these things and just supporting them to help them push it further, I think that's where we're lowering like the barriers to entry for someone like me who's scared of everything and, and intimidated to get into things because I just don't know if I can do it. Um, I think that's really critical. And for someone like me who sees cycling and sees it's such an amazing sport and there's such a great community around it yet I'm still a little bit scared to get into it I'm super scared to show up at an event and and clip in like I'm 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 very intimidated so when I see or hear about women's uh cycling groups I'm like how do I get involved how do I support it because I believe those are the types of things that are going to help bring more women into the sport um some women that maybe aren't as you know uh uh, fearless or leadership driven, someone like me who's a little bit more like, ah, I'm just a little scared to get started or intimidated. So I think uh, definitely for me on the horizon is looking at supporting graveling, uh, gravel events uh, mm-hmm. and women's cycling events. Yeah, I certainly saw a lot of um, 
uh, new ladies coming out and trying the event when I did it this year, uh, July 15th. Um, it was surprising. Like I only put up, you know, 50 spots and they sold out. Um, I actually let four other people come in. <laughs> I'm like, okay. You know, so I, but, you know, it's always my friends last minute. Oh my God, I didn't register. I'm like, okay, I'll open it up just for you, but no more. <laughs> but, um, but at the end of the day, there's only 50 showed up. So those extra four, like four people didn't come out. But the thing is that um, I just wanted to grow it really slowly. And it was just me organizing where now I'm building a group to bring next year's event to make it better. Um, you know, I, I gained a lot of feedback this year. Um, we did a lot of good things, um, but there's lots of development to be done in the gravel racing world um, here. And, and that's just like safety, you know, um, you know, because they come out in such numbers, you know, I'm just like as an organizer. Um, and uh, so it's, it's things like that, like really partnering, like you're saying, like with the community to make it a safe place so that we have kind of you know, this, this is all yeah. like back to rules and regulate, you know, just to keep us all on the same page. Cause, um, you know, as they grow in our region, unlike, you know, um, unbound is, is a much bigger community, mm -hmm. like city. Like I would say it's a small city for me, like ours is like a village, um, oh, wow. to, to accommodate that many people. Like yeah. we could never do that here. Like it would just be overwhelm. But yeah. um, you know, to grow it to a capacity where it is manageable for everybody um, is super exciting. And things like that need to happen, you know, slowly. And um, so, so that's what we're doing. But uh, it's it's an exciting space here in Wakefield where I am because uh, we just had a gentleman buy the local ski hill and he's a mountain biker and he's got like, he's just oh, wow. doing all these mountain bike trails. So you can ride on them. They're not super, well, they're, well, yeah, they're mountain bike trails, but, and it's also like in the middle of like gravel riding and the, the national park and road stuff. So it's just like, it's like a small Mecca and, in um yeah it's like a small mecca here yeah oh, i'm so. excited to maybe get out there someday oh you have uh, to gosh bring the family <laughs> talking about um talking about uh mountain biking trails and, and and gravel uh you actually should probably bring our national sales director on the call her name is carrie lynn um, oh she's yeah she's actually the national sales director for our motorcycle business um is she in canada no, she's she's uh, she's down here, based in California, in Marietta, California. But she's I think she actually was born in Canada. I think she was born in Alberta. Oh she, yeah. Um, she loves everything two wheels, and she's big into gravel. As of lately, she's been doing a lot of gravel racing. She did like the Colorado to Utah. Um, oh, like I, big stuff. Yeah she's, yeah, she's done some good stuff. Well, she she's the one that's been pushing me to ride more. Um, so she'll meet me at my house and we'll ride to work every now and then. Oh, and cool. I, I have to tell you one day we, you know, 
like I said, I live close to some mountain biking trails and there's like some trails that mountain biking trails that kind of drop us in its office, which is like five or six miles from where I live. So it's not too far. Uh-huh. And she shows up one morning on her felt breed carbon on her gravel bike. And I'm on my, <laughs> my e-bike, my e-mountain bike. And I'm like, what are we doing? And, and, she's like, <laughs> and I'm like, uh, really? Like, okay, fine. So I'm following her. And I mean, she's just like a maniac. She sees a jump and she's like, I'm going to jump it. You know, she's like, it's like a jump that some kid built for his BMX bike. And she's like, I'm going to jump it on my gravel bike. Like she's totally fearless. And she, you oh. definitely bring her on the show. Like she's a, she's a maniac, but it's, it's incredible. Like she'll, she'll take a mountain bike trail, like the gnarliest mountain bike trail. She's like, I'm going to gravel ride this. No problem. Oh man. Yeah. She sounds like somebody we could have on here too. Yes. But who's your representative? Oh, do you, your representative in Canada? So the rep for that area in Canada, his name is Glenn, Glenn Enos. Um, okay. So he's been in the industry for a long time. I'm just getting to know him. I think he's joined the company maybe in the last three months. So. Oh, okay. Uh, we, yeah, we just built up a whole new sales force of dedicated field sales uh, managers. We don't really call them reps. We call them sales managers because they're actually responsible for managing the business in their region. And they're not just repping brands and, and trying to make sales. They're actually taking care of the dealers and, and their business. Right, the relationships. Um, the relationships, for sure. Yeah. So we have um, 18 total district sales managers uh, and strategic business managers that are in the field in the U.S. and Canada. So that's, that's huge for us. That's a, a big development with felt bicycles, for sure. Wow. Sounds like you're really um, diving into the the well diving into gravel with the bikes yeah because it's it's amazing how much it's growing eh Mm because like i know out here every other conversation is about something something gravel and uh you know and i have a women's cycling club and it's road cycling but it's it you know we're evolving to everything because when i started 15 years ago it was road cycling was like the dominant part of biking yeah. and uh you know and uh gravel wasn't even part of that equation maybe about five years ago people started talking about it and everybody's like what are these gravel bikes like what do you what what i don't <laughs> you know like we're looking for a road bike and and now it's like everybody's looking for that bike that can do both Mm-hmm. right road and gravel and so i see more women buying bikes or upgrading to bikes that are dual purposes you know to drive to bike on rail trails and and things like that and getting off the road and um and, you know just as cities evolve like there's tons of construction you know to even get out of the city so having a hardier yeah. bike is is almost uh that's a really good point. There's, I was just up in BC. I went to Crankworks at Whistler and, you know, Vancouver has like a lot of construction going on. I'm like, yeah. it's such a, a, a known destination for cycling, but there's so much construction. And I'm thinking about like riding a skinny tire bike yeah. and like these, these like little potholes or like areas where the concrete's gone and it's just exactly. all ground up. It's like, how do you navigate through that? But yeah, a gravel bike would be great for that. Yeah, you have to worry about it, like, especially, and, you know, just the, the comp- not the components, but, like, the tires, um, the, 
have evolved too because i remember tubeless tires were like the ones they stuck to the rims and like yeah. it was just something nobody wanted to touch <laughs> like you know it's like no way i'm good with my tubes um but now it's becoming so much easier to yeah. make that transition and have you know the tubeless tube ready tires and make your I mean, I just learned it when I was prepping my bike for Unbound. I'd never done it before. I wasn't a huge supporter of it until I really realized the benefits. And also, I got educated. And yeah, I, I was going to say, so you got into the sport 15 years ago. How, how did you get into cycling? Oh, into? I, I got into cycling. Um, well, I moved here in Ottawa in 1996 and I just had my bike as for transportation I got into ultimate frisbee so I would bike to you know just games and then I I tried triathlons I tried it two of them I said forget it they're boring and I'm like I don't I don't like swimming I'm not a huge road runner um and then I got into mountain bike racing and uh, and through that, I got into adventure racing. So I did multi-day adventure races. So, so my you do like kayaking and running and yeah. Terry so, Lynn does those. You got to meet Terry Lynn. Oh my God! So so I did that for like six years. Um, our team was like a top five finisher. Um, oh, wow. So I mountain biked a lot for that, and then I started road cycling for mountain biking. And then I kind of just said, okay, I, I, there's too many sports I've got it. And I was a single mom at that time. And I just, okay, I got to just put everything down. And then I just mi migrated right to road cycling racing. In 2005, I put together a woman's master's team, like a bunch of my friends. I'm like, hey, who wants to learn how to race bikes? Or like, I don't know. <laughs> let's just do it together. So we got our friend uh, who is a coach and she helped us. And so I raced bikes for eight years. And then I started my women's cycling club. Um, and uh, I had the team, I had the club. And um, yeah, and so and then I now I'm getting into gravel because I just found I found that that connection with the long endurance stuff, like not everybody's into that long endurance stuff, obviously, yeah. but I found the connection for me very similar uh, to um, adventure racing. So preparing, like just managing yourself um, mentally, physically um, on the road. So when they said, you know, like 36 hours, I was like, wow, that's my shortest adventure race really like I've done four wow. days six days my longest was eight days I'm just like I think ah. it's so fascinating <laughs> so is this yeah. like a weekender <laughs> so, but uh so yeah and when I, I made that correlation I was just like oh my god this is just like adventure racing except for it's just one sport I have to worry about yeah which is one, painful one enough to train on yeah <laughs> yeah that just train for one thing but then also sit on my bike for 36 hours which I never had done because it was always a transition to some other discipline yeah. right so I'm like well I really suffered in that department but now I know <laughs> I know what to yeah. do differently 
And but, you did the the Excel. Uh, mm-hmm. That's insane. That's I wish I'd seen you because, like, well, obviously, like everybody's kind of gone by Sunday, um, yeah. and uh, and by I finished. I didn't finish the course. I have missing sixty kilometers, so forty five yeah. miles. They were. They told me to get off the course because I'd missed the cutoff, but. I could have kept on going, just like that it's guy. Still incredible, still incredible. I, but it, yeah, so I have to come back. So we'll be seeing each other. Yeah, maybe <laughs> I'll be out. I, I'm thinking like there's a there's a a, small, a shorter version. Yeah, yeah. Of it. I'm thinking maybe maybe we'll see. Uh, you should. I know that training. they have the 25 and they have the 50. Yeah. So if you're gonna do something, try for the 50, because it'll actually get you out of the villa, <laughs> the city. Out of the town. All right. Yeah. You actually see some of the, the countryside, which is so cool. Like, yeah. you just have to stop and go, oh, my God. Like, I'm in the middle of Kansas. <laughs> like, I can't it's, break down here because nobody will find me. There's nobody out there. <laughs> that I mean, that went through my head a lot. I'm like, I don't know how people can, like, just pull in the, pull in the towel and say, I'm done. But, like, somebody has to find you somewhere to pick you up. Like, this is yeah. not <laughs> – I don't get it. Unless oh, yeah. you have a serious mechanical. But even though you have to yeah. walk yourself out, like, hours and hours and hours. Anyways, yeah. I'm just like, oh, my God, I can't I can't be in that situation. <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't want to be in that situation either. So what did, how did you find their expo? It was pretty epic for I me. I thought it was incredible. I was so excited to see that people at these expos, they're they're actively going to participate in in the event on Saturday, but they're also they're actually visiting every vendor. Yeah. And they're taking the time to meet with the brands there, and I mm-hmm. felt like what I was seeing is people are supporting the brands that show up to support the event. Right. So yeah. It, you can't always from a marketing side like my experience is you don't you don't know what you're getting out of an event unless you're transacting an event. And mm-hmm. we we're a brand that sells through retailers through retail partners, so we don't transact at the event unless the dealer is there transacting. So right. so for us to to justify the expense and everything of being there, it's always been hard to do that at events. Mm-hmm. But with with cycling events and specifically this Unbound Gravel event, you don't it's you can't really like quantify it, but you know, you just feel like everyone that's walking around, they're genuinely engaging in the brands. They're yeah. going to support the brands that show up, whether it's a, a bicycle brand or an ice cream, <clears throat> maple syrup, ice cream brand that like, they're going to, they're going to take care and, and, and make decisions to support those brands because they're there at the event supporting them. So I loved it. And I thought it was fun. I, it was interesting to talk to so many people and um, I I'm learning, I'm, I'm so new to this and, and for me, being the marketing manager for these brands, I have to, to learn quickly. So I'm immersing myself in these conversations and I'm learning from, from fans, from enthusiasts, people that have come by that are like, oh, I haven't seen salt in a while or, oh, I have oh. a salt bike and I love my salt bike. So it was great. It was it was really awesome. I have to say that the lightning, though, <laughs> I got out of my car. So I land at the airport. I drive, I'm by myself, I drive two hours out to this town, and as you call it, it's a, a village, like, it's it's small, it's small, but it's like, it, it's, there's it's so much space around it, you know, and, and I park on this little street, and I'm like, oh, but it's okay to park here, and I, I take about 15 steps from the car, and this crack of lightning strikes about 75 feet away from me, 
like hitting the substation and <gasps> everyone like my heart stopped beating and i'm like there's people riding their bikes still like it's no big deal and i am like do i duck for cover do i get back in my car do i run into a stranger's house like what do i do like what is happening everybody's people, like walking around they're, they're still riding their bikes through town pedaling through and they're just like oh it's okay it's no big deal but i have to say that was that was really <laughs> It, it was kind of exciting, but it was it was a little scary. Uh, I, I couldn't imagine when we saw the uh, saw the start of the XL race. We ran outside of Casa Ramos, and we we ran outside to see the the people take off for XL. And I was like, somebody had mentioned to me, "Oh, it's nothing like a motorcycle race because there's no loud engines or anything." But it, to me, it was cooler than a motorcycle race start oh, yeah. because it was like the energy, the, the the sheer human power and will, and and just like you know that these people are going to be putting themselves through like torture for the next however many hours <laughs> like they're going to go do it it was so exciting and the, the the cowbells and the whole thing i loved it it was great but you know what lightning going on it's oh i know people were taking off yeah because when we were biking out there we we're looking back and i'm like oh my god it's coming <laughs> like fucking bike That's faster insane. but you That's know what's insane. the best thing jenna is like when as a woman going through those expos is seeing female representatives at tents and that's why like um when i saw you and there was another girl and we were getting into we we're chatting mm -hmm. and and then i met you it was so enlightening because i went back to the felt tent and you weren't there i think oh, maybe no. maybe it was friday uh, before my race because I wanted to say goodbye oh, <laughs> we, were, we were having lunch, waiting you were having lunch. <laughs> but but the thing is that as a female I felt like ease to go in and talk to you and and uh and like even as an older female I'm like telling like like old but I'm not oh, like not 20 yeah. or 30 years old so you know like I'm an older uh, adult and um and so that to me was really um comforting for me and i kind of like gravitate it was kind of hard for me to even though i want to talk to a lot of people i always find it just a little bit more intimidating to chat chat, chat with guys yeah you know and i can um, understand that yeah and so you know if anybody else is living listening on this who has a brand um, have a female representative, you know, I, because you will draw in all the women, right? It's, How many women came to talk to you? We had quite a few actually came through yeah. that were telling us about, oh, I ride a cell or, uh, oh, I, I like this brome. Can you tell me about it? And to be honest, I was learning the product. So like, I'm still learning the product and I'm still learning the, the language of, of, of gravel. And yeah, but it doesn't matter. You're just but the it, woman. It's, You're the woman. <laughs> it was exciting, though. A lot of people, we were, I was talking all day. I, I know, I just like, oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but I, that's, that was one thing that brought me right into your, your, and I was familiar with them from, from uh, Gravel Cup. And so it was exciting to speak to a woman, a woman uh, awesome. for that brand. Yeah. We, we definitely, so from the, the broader marketing department or broader marketing team that we have for Pira Mobility, so both the, the bicycle business and the motorcycle business, I would say we're 
we have a very strong female representation in terms of the workforce. I think that's so I, I can't put a percentage on it right now, but I'm going to say it's probably 50%, if not more, uh, females that are working in the marketing department. <laughs> but we would be nothing without some of the, the male support that we have. Oh, well, of course. Uh, I'm just we, saying the because yeah, that's where it, it all starts so it's always guys it's but always guys, uh yeah. i can you totally know. relate though i can totally re- relate even working even having been the head of a specific motorcycle brand uh, for marketing mm-hmm. and going to expo events and having to talk with the, and knowing your stuff yeah well having to talk with the, the male consumer that comes by i have to tell you the story um ten, nine ten years ago i was working i i just We'd just been bought by KTM Motorcycles. And so part of my thing, I worked in sales for a little bit. And I went out on the the road going to the International Motorcycle Shows. And I would stand at this one bike. It was a big adventure bike. And I had to learn everything about it. And I had never ridden it. But I had to learn everything about it. I had to learn how it compared to the competition. I had to learn, you know, everything technology on it. Because the, the, the men that would come through, they would grill me. They would grill me and challenge me. Like, why are you here? Like, you, it was it was almost like a game to them coming through these shows, and it was so like annoying because you know <laughs> that they probably already knew these answers, but they were just testing me. So for me, it's always really important. Like, hey, we need to know our stuff, and we need to be authentic with it. And if we don't mm-hmm. know, we, we're going to learn. So, uh, and I think it's also important that as a female coming through like if i were to walk through to another brand to go look at their their space and they didn't have any female representation there for sure it's intimidating you're like oh what are these guys thinking of me like i just want to learn about this brand over here but i'm scared are they going to talk to me are they going to ask if i'm lost or not talk to you for my boyfriend right not talk to you it's just like hey i'd like to talk to someone just like "Eh." i i had even (laughs) been into some dealers i was the the head of marketing for for one of these brands and I had gone into one of the the local dealers in my everyday clothes uh I just gone in there I was it was a weekend I was like I'm gonna stop by and check it out and say hi I know the the owner and I know the general manager but the floor staff they never came over to talk to me they looked at me kind of like I was just bored and like waiting for for my boyfriend or something and and I was there by myself and I just nobody ever talked to me and I went up and introduced myself like hi I'm the the head of marketing for this brand and like uh, and and they're like oh oh really yeah (laughs) they they never came over to talk to me it's like uh, I don't know I could have been here to drop a couple thousand dollars and you would never have known well we changed we've definitely changed that that outlook though from for most of our dealers through some of the activities we've done like I said, on the motorcycle side, and I'm looking forward on the gravel side and with yeah. felt bicycles to doing the same thing because felt is really well known for already being supportive of female cycling um, and female tri especially. So mm-hmm. we have some very strong female um, tri- triathletes and we have a history in, in tri with, with, with females. So let's do the same thing in gravel. Yeah, let's do the same thing in gravel. I, I love, love it. it. <laughs> I think we just did that at the same time. Yeah. Oh my God. So, well, oh, what else can we talk about? What's up for What's up next for for felt for uh, 2024? Can you share anything uh, new? Okay. New bikes? New? Uh... So you might have seen from Eurobike, we teased out a couple of new uh, road and endurance bikes. So we have a couple oh. of prototypes that we've shown. If you haven't seen it yet, probably Google felt prototype and and you'll see a couple of really sexy bikes okay let me go um, look 
we keep talking. Have, yeah, we also we launched the, the brief carbon a while ago and uh, still lingering on from some supply chain issues. We hadn't had too many into the market, but you're going to see some more of that product coming. So definitely look for that product in the next uh, six months. We're going to have more of that coming in next month throughout the, the beginning of next year. And that's a really, really phenomenal gravel bike. Uh, just everyone that rides it loves it. So oh, awesome. For. Okay, hold on. I just saw it. Gravel and Adventure bikes. Breed carb carbon. Yep. And breed gravel. Oh, Brome Adventure. Is that the one you're talking about? No, so that's that's already an existing model that we have. That's a fantastic like getting into the the sport bike. Um it, it's more than an entry level bike, but if you're gonna start into the sport, it's a good bike. For us the the breed carbon is sort of our, our halo gravel model. And then the bikes that we teased out at, at Eurobike are the uh, the new version of like the FR, the felt road bike and the VR, which is like our our sort of endurance uh, road bike. Nice. Okay, everybody, you got to yeah. go check out Felt right now. Not right now. Check them out. Check out their new brands. So that's what's coming out for 2024. Uh, there might be more than that, but I can't release <laughs> too much yet. That's okay. <laughs> too much, but definitely uh, look forward to the future of Felt. <clears throat> Um, taking their history, taking the new development that we have and the dedicated engineers that we have and creating some amazing uh, premium high-performance uh, bikes. So we'll nice. definitely be bringing and expanding the product portfolio a little bit, but we'll also be honing in on on-road, try and gravel, gravel especially for our market, mm -hmm. um, and taking that product to the next level. All right, start adding it to your Christmas list now because... Yeah. Uh... You're going to have to, you want to get one before they fly off the shelves. Definitely the Breed Carbon is going to fly off the shelf. So oh, look yeah? for that one. Look for that one. That one will fly off the shelf. Absolutely. Breed Carbon. Can you get it in different colors? I hate to ask Yeah, that. so there's there's three different colorways. There's a, the Lava Smoke, which is like <gasps> a gray and purple. There's a um, the Limelight, which is, we call it the Rasta Bike. It's kind of like a... A yellow oh, I love green. it. Okay, if anybody's yeah. watching this on YouTube, oh, you can't really see it, but just a second, right in front of me. Yeah. Oh, you can't see the colors, but anyways, yeah. yeah. So, and then we have scrub, which is like a, a, a sort of a really vibrant turquoise color. So those are those are the colorways, and there's different uh, group set uh, component setups. So definitely uh, look for that when it comes out and there's already some in dealers but like I said it's limited quantities and we have more coming in ah, and price points are different so yeah you can uh, afford to take a look yeah it's like gravel bikes are expensive they are if, if you if you're, if <laughs> Sorry, you're looking for a, like... a less expensive bike look at the brome the brome is a fantastic bike at an amazing price point um, and we actually uh, we have some specials going on that they vary by, by dealers because the dealers are, are the ones doing the transaction, but definitely visit your local salt dealer and check out what kind of specials they have going on right now. Um, for I love that products. you're dealer driven because, mm -hmm. um, that's what's going to keep bike shops open. Like, you know, I, I know that Canyon is, uh, strictly online. Mm -hmm. Um, like I think, that's maybe one of the brands that is 100% online. Maybe I some think they're, dealers. They're 100% direct to consumer. Um, yeah. I know that there's some other brands that have taken more of a, they have a, 
a half dual and channel half. approach, half and half. And then there's some some manufacturers that are buying out dealerships. Uh, and I, I understand oh. all all you know methods of business. Like I think it all makes sense for different mm-hmm. brands. But for us, one of our we have four pillars of success, and our fourth pillar is dealers. So yeah. we love our dealers. We believe in our dealers. We believe in the brick and mortar experience. And while a lot mm-hmm. of people love to shop online, um, there's certain certain dealers or benefits, and you can you can buy felt bikes online, um, or you will be able to. But it's not it's not direct to consumer. It's still through a retail partner. Right. Yeah, because they have to have it delivered somewhere. And mm-hmm. taking care of a man and uh, yeah, we want to drive people back into the dealership for service, for mm-hmm. for parts, gear, and accessories. We want to make sure that the dealer is is uh, out there in the community because we can't be everywhere. We can't be at every event. We can't be yeah. Um, you know, at every race, we have to have dealers out there doing this as well. So it's it's definitely a partnership with our dealers. Yeah, and I find like, I mean, online online purchases is good because it's kind of convenient but then you get a bike and you have nobody to put it together and you have no um guarantee of tune-ups and and things of that nature so are you really saving maybe because you got something special but at the end of the day yeah i i also like to to see what that's a good price actually yeah, it's a good price on the Brom, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's the Brom, the Brom 30, 40, and 60. There's different different uh, levels. But yeah, 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 yeah. Nice colors, too. Okay, everybody. No excuses. Get a Brom. Get a Brom. Get a carbon. Get another wheel set so you can switch it up. Or not even a wheel set. You just need to do different tires. Yeah. I know. Sure. It becomes convenient that way. You put different uh, tubeless tires on it once you be able to figure that out, <laughs> which is way simpler than you yeah. think. Oh my god! I, I watched it. I watched the, the our technician I, do it, and I was like, uh, "Can I do that without making a total mess?" Oh, uh, you totally can. Yeah, you totally can. I'll have to try. I'll have to try. Yeah, I know. I, I thought some I would... some challenges. <laughs> so I thought it'd be impossible, but well. It took me one week to get one of the tires perfect because it kept on leaking. So I had to figure out, I was like, okay, what, what, why would the air be leaking out? And so I, you know, I took it off, put it back on, took it off, put it back on. And, um, and then I finally took it to my friend, Jamie, I need help. I don't understand. He's like, check the tape. Okay. I made a little bobo. There's a scratch in the tape. Okay, so I changed the tape, and then there was some. And I think that was the, that was the problem. The fix, yeah. Yeah. Good. Oh my God! It took me a week, uh, but I learned a whole lot. <laughs> the other one was perfect. Put on, filled it up, oh, still full. <laughs> the other one. Oh my God. Oh my God. I was like almost crying. Well, at least you know now. It's <laughs> like. Yeah, now I know. But um, so this has been awesome, Jenna. I am super excited about seeing you next year. And um, and I'll share with you later some online training if you're into some online training to get you ready yes. for that 50 Please. miler. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to go out, you I might as well do 50. Right That's like 80, 80 kilometers. Yeah. Okay. Love it. You did. And uh, so where can everybody find, is it just felt? 
feltbikesbicycles.com? Feltbicycles.com, yes. Yeah. Are you guys on Instagram and, and Twitter? And yep. Uh, Feltbicycles is on Instagram. Uh, so it's our, it's our global channel. Um, we do have a, a USA page that we started, but for the most part, Felt Bicycles uh, Global the Channel is place. the best place to to see the latest products. And then, um, if you're if you're curious about upcoming events and things, we'll be sharing some of that stuff throughout the year as we start to build up our team and our media plan. Right? Are you, is that where you can find your local dealers as well? Yes, yes, you can. There's a button right in the top right corner, find a dealer. So definitely okay. check it out. Um, support our dealers, visit our dealers, check out the specials that our dealers have running and, and what they have available in inventory and what they can get for you. Yeah, and make sure you tell them that you saw us on Secrets from the Saddle and Jenna told you to go check out and say hi to your local dealer and uh, you want to check out the Brome bike. Yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> Well, thank you so much again, Jenna. This has been amazing. And I hope to our listeners that you enjoyed the story I wrapped around felt bicycles and the whole history about it. Because I, when we were talking, I'm like, what? Motorcycles? Okay, we need to talk about more about this. And uh, that, um, you know, if you're at a cycling event, make sure you jump you pop into uh, the tent and see them. I mean, like what Jenna said, you can find out where they are. Um, I guess around North America where they'll be at certain uh, events or supporting certain events and uh, check out your dealer and don't forget to follow and um, sub, uh, follow and watch Secrets from the Saddle on Instagram and uh, YouTube. Take care everyone. Have an amazing evening. Thanks a lot Jenna. Thanks Sylvie. Thank you everyone. All right, everyone. Was that not amazing? Chat with Jenna, Jenna Hewitt from Felt Bicycles. I love that story. It's just like when I had um, Ben from Lauf, the whole story from about like behind the Lauf bike. So between those two, um, we need to get more bike companies on this podcast wouldn't you agree so if you agree let me hear in the comments on youtube also don't forget to follow on instagram and i'm glad you stuck around for this podcast episode and please share with your friends who are felt lovers or are looking at buying a felt or just your friends in general who love cycling. So take care everyone, have an amazing day, and we'll see you on the next episode. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast, learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. 
And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.